Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Do you know what it's like to hear the voice of God? Many people say they would like to hear it, and today on Changed by Love, you might actually hear it. Today, in Genesis chapter 17, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will hear the most important promise God made to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll hear God make this tremendous promise to you if you're willing to put your trust in Him. This promise is incredibly personal, and it can be yours today, regardless of your past. Let's hear more as we join Pastor Jim in the conclusion of his message, The Greatest Promise Ever. Everything keeps changing on a walk, and that's the way life is. If, you, if it's just a once-for-all thing, you're going to live off of that old one experience. You're not going to be ready for the new experiences. And, and to walk before God is to have things out in the open before God. To be blameless really means, essentially, to be whole. And together, if you put them together, what do they, what do they form? They, together they form the passionate pursuit of God. God says, I will take care of you, but if you passionately pursue me, you're going to actually experience me. And this whole obedience thing, while it seems drudgery to others, is not going to seem that way to you. It's going to make a lot more sense. It's going to seem a lot more logical to you. Verse 2, God's still speaking, and he says, And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly, family. Verse 3, Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, Well, let's just stop right there. He says, I will make my covenant between me and you. What is a covenant? Well, let's go back to how the ancient world covenants basically worked. They basically work like this. Let's just imagine that a big and powerful nation comes to uh, and conquers, comes and conquers a smaller one. And they say to the smaller nation, we're going to offer you a deal. And the deal goes something like this. You surrender. We make a covenant with you. But you still have to surrender to us. And because we make this covenant or agreement with you, you get the benefits of the covenant. If you say yes, benefits. If you say no, you die. (laughs) You die. By the way, that's the gospel. (laughs) That is the gospel. God says, if you surrender to me, I will give you the benefits. You put your trust in me instead of yourself. I will give you the benefits of the covenant, you will live forever, you will not die, but if you say no, then you will die. Notice here, the more powerful one in this verse 2 and 3, God sets the terms and expects loyalty to the terms of the covenant. And yet, how many people do you know, and I was one of them for the first 29 years of my life, trust me, how many people do you know who have made a God in their own image and think that they set the terms of their relationship with God? 
Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, again, I'm glad you're here. The Bible actually rarely picks on people who are not followers. It picks on people who say they're followers, but they're really not. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you would say you're a follower, but you are wandering or you're starting to wander, this time period is finally getting to you. You know, we sing, we are prone to wander, prone to leave the one I love. This is very important to remember this. We've said this before, but it's so important to remember. It's so important to remember when you talk to people about the Christian faith that God allows you to believe whatever you want to believe. But he does not allow you to pick the consequences for your belief. He sets them. Let me give you an example. You have a driver's license. You might believe you could go out and have a bunch of drinks, and you might believe that you're in a good enough place to drive. That's your belief. You're free to believe that. And a policeman pulls you over, policewoman, police person pulls you over, and the breathalyzer disagrees. So you're free to believe you can drive that way, but you are not free to pick the consequences for your belief. There will be a judge who will pick those consequences. Again, that's the gospel. But if you want the best that God has for you for all eternity, his call to you today is surrender to him and surrender to his love. And so in verse 3, we see rich and powerful Abram on his face surrendering, realizing that God is holy and he is not, and realizing this. This is a big step in your Christian walk. That God does not negotiate the terms of the surrender. I find it interesting that Abraham, or Abram both, I keep saying Abraham, Abram, Abraham, I won't have to anymore. Correct, keep correcting myself. I, I find it interesting that Abram both sees God and hears God, something we may overlook when we read our Bible. Perhaps we need to be more intentional in our Bible reading. For some of us, that means we need to read our Bible, and some of it means we need to read it differently. And we should be not just reading, but listening and looking for hearing God's voice and seeking God's face. A couple weeks back, something like this. Don't don't think I'm spiritual. It takes about 15 minutes. A couple weeks back, I, I read cover to cover the book of Ephesians. 15 minutes, 17 minutes, something like that. It didn't take long at all. And I was done, and I read it. And I just felt this overwhelming sensation saying to me, you read it, but did you hear my voice? And so then I went back and read it, and maybe it took a little bit longer, not much. But instead of really kind of trying to absorb every little thing, I just read it to hear God's voice. What a difference. What a difference. Verse 4, God's speaking. He says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
For I have made you a father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. Now remember, he's, him and his wife don't have any kids yet. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Just imagine him like, like, when do I remind him I got no son with my wife? And I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. Notice the great promise made to Abram and all true worshipers of God. He says, my covenant is with you. Do you hear that? God was from Brooklyn. He'd go, I'm talking to you. My covenant's with you. Yo. Right? He says, my covenant is with you. Can can you hear God saying that to you? Not, Not did you read it. Not did you see it on the screen. Now, did you hear me say that, but did you hear the voice of God saying, if you've put your trust in my son Jesus, my covenant is with you. You see how personal God is. So he changes Abram's name to Abraham because he changes his status. He gives him a new name. Now, this might be very, very silly to some of you, but I grew up my whole life, and I'm, I'm James III. So we were constantly trying to figure out what my name would be. Because, I mean... You, you, if, if you came out and, and, you know, my mom yelled, Jimmy, Jimmy, you might as well just be yelling, Bob, Bob. I don't, I don't answer to Jimmy. Some of you are probably like, Jimmy, Jimmy. Like, gosh, he's so annoying. He doesn't even look at us. It's my dad's name. You know, my grandfather went by, went by James. And so, you know, they, uh, trying to find my own name, I wanted to be called Jim. My mom didn't like that. She's like, you're five. You don't be going, hey, Jim, you're five. But it can't be Jimmy because that's my dad. But you know, you go through all of these names growing up, but it was never until I was a Christian that people started calling me Jimbo. Never in my whole life. There's somebody back there laughing because she was in the youth group and people used to call me Jimbo. You know, many, many years ago. I won't tell everybody how old you are now. (laughs) And... You know, it's funny that when I went to Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge, and there was, you know, before that, there was select people that called me Jimbo. Not many, but a few. When I went to Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge, uh, I'd meet people, and they'd say, hey, man, what's your name? And I'd say, it's Jim, and they'd turn around and go, hey, bro, did you meet Jimbo? (laughs) Everybody just started calling me Jimbo. It's like, I had this new name. It's like, God, did you, I was always like, God, did you give me a new name? What's the, what's the deal? I still go down there today. I went there to speak one time, and, and one, of the, one of the kids that was, guys that was in the youth group is a pastor now there, introduced me as Jimbo. So now I know some of you are going to start calling me Jimbo. And it's Pastor Jimbo to you people. <laughs> but God gives him a new name. And what God does with this very flawed man, Abraham, is absolutely amazing. He says, nations and kings will come from you. I mean, born to you and your wife. I mean, he's 
He's 99. She's, she's 89. He says, born to you and your wife will be nations and kings. How do you explain that? Well, the old expression is this. If, if you can explain it, then God didn't do it. So I, people say to me, so how did you become a Christian, man? And you list to be like this party animal, and then all of a sudden you're this guy, and you're like, boom. Just, wow. How did that happen? I said, am I allowed to use the word Jesus, God, Bible, Holy Spirit? No, I go, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. More than that, the King of Kings, who he's probably bowing before right now, will be his great, 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 great grandson born on the first Christmas day. Once again, God is reminding Abraham, reminding all committed followers of Jesus Christ, I will keep my promise to you. Even though it seems like I'm not. Even though it seems like it's dead. Even though it seems like it's impossible, I will keep my promise to you. But let's imagine the whole thing for a moment. You're done with the conversation. You're like, yes, this is great. You go home. There's your wife. Sarah, you know. Oh, here he comes. How was your day, Abram? Well, honey, don't be calling me Abram anymore. I want you to call me Abraham. (laughs) She's like, I know what that means. That means father of many. We don't even have one kid. Well, you see, here's what happened today. You can just imagine her looking at the hired hands in the kitchen going, oh, no, he's been talking to Yahweh again. And then looking at him going, I'm not moving. We're not moving again. No, 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 honey, I I, I was talking to El Shaddai. I was talking to the all-sufficient one. And then it begins to spread throughout all of his servants. Remember, we had his servants, and he had a lot of people watching all his, his cattle and stuff like that. What do you think it was like for them? <laughs> Did you hear what the boss wants us to call him now? Father of many. He doesn't even have one kid with his wife. Father of many. Now he wants us to call him the father of many nations, the father of multitudes. This is funny, man. Cash those checks quick. The old man's losing his mind. <laughs> Verse 7, and I will establish, God's still talking, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, some versions say offspring, after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you. Some versions say to be your God and your descendants after you. So he says, I'm your God and I will be their God. I'm not going to be everybody's God, but the people that are your descendants, and we learn in the New Testament that it's by faith we are his descendants. Verse 8, also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan. That's not happening now either, is it? It's not happening now either. They don't have the land. As an everlasting, some versions say, eternal possession, and I will be their God. Now hang with me on this. If verse 8 sounds familiar to you, Genesis 12, 7, God said this. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. 
And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. I will give to you and your descendants after you the land which you are a stranger, all of the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So we, we look carefully there. He says, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. Now, when we look at verse 8, he says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants after you. So they're going to get the land, right? Abraham, you're going to get it. And your descendants are going to get it. Makes a lot of sense. And then he says in chapter, in verse 7, I will be God to you. Big statement. Big statement. You might might want to underline that one in your Bible. And in verse 8, I will give the land to you. I will give the land to you, Abraham. Now, for those of you who are really, really careful in this stuff, back in chapter 15, again, stay with me, God told Abraham that he would not get the land because his people had to go down to Egypt for 400 years. Aha! Bible contradiction or... He's actually telling Abraham, you're going to get the land when you rise from the dead. That's when you're going to get it. One day, Abraham will return to the promised land. In Hebrews 11, it tells us about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. It says, verse 13 through 16, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So here the New Testament tells us that not even death can stop Abraham's eternal inheritance, eternal life, or it can't stop yours. Now when we get to Genesis 22, God asks him to kill his son Isaac. And Abraham's just is doing it, and, and we're like, what is he doing? Well, in the New Testament, Hebrews 11 tells us that he assumed and believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. So, so what is the greatest promise ever? What is it? Well, it's tucked in verse 7. An everlasting covenant to be God to you. An everlasting commitment. He says to Abraham, he says to you, he says to me, I am going to make an everlasting commitment for all eternity to be God to you. Every promise that you see in the Bible essentially comes out of this promise. That I'm making this promise to you for all eternity. If you are my child, there is not a better promise anywhere in the whole universe. 
Forget about anything else that we have. This, a million years from now, this will be the promise that we will think that was the greatest promise ever made. How did I miss it? Please, I hope you're not going to miss it. God is pledging himself to his people, an eternal pledge that cannot be broken, that nothing can stop it. Let me ask you, friend, do you want to experience that joy here right now? Do you want to experience that security? Do you want to experience that assurance? If you're answering yes, El Shaddai simply says this, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. Enoch walked with God and he was no more. Noah was blameless, the scriptures tell us, before God. It's my grandson's name, Noah. I don't think he's blameless before my daughter, but that's another story for another day. And so we try to see this with spiritual eyes as we look at the cross. There at the cross, Jesus takes his commitment to you and to me all the way. It's not a half-hearted commitment. He takes it all the way to death. And God is offering to you himself through the person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and your resurrection from the dead. But there will be no negotiations on the terms. And that, of course, is the hard part of the Christian message and why so many people don't want to hear it. And why God has, well, not God, why so many pastors, sadly, have edited out of their messages. This is the reason why reasonably good people struggle to come to Jesus because they don't think that they need a Savior, because they don't have any understanding of the holiness of God. And so they don't want to turn to God, confess their sins, ask for his forgiveness, and put their trust in the perfect Son of God who rose from the dead and died on the cross for their sins. Abraham had 13 years to think about why he needed God. And then God shows up to this guy feeling like a big failure and simply says this to you and to me, hey man, my grace is greater than your failure. In fact, it's not even close. And I'll take you today and I will gladly love you. And I will gladly make you my son or my daughter if you're willing to put your trust in me. And that's just not for the first time. That's something we do over and over again. You see, so many people think they don't need it, but they do. You see, our failure shows us our need for God. And it's also how we can See, our, in our failure, we see how God wants to forgive us and change us and make us his child and make that big time promise to us to be God to you forever. So we all have a choice to make today, every single one of us, me too. Do we want to 
destine ourselves to the consequences for our unbelief? Or do we want to see the greatest promise ever? God himself. Now the question is this. What are you going to do with that? Will you continue to be bombarded and believe the promises and lies of the culture which keep changing all the time? Or will you continue to believe the bombarding of lies that just seem to dwell in your own mind? Or will you believe God, the one who doesn't lie, the one who doesn't break promises, the one who can always be trusted? And will you put your trust in Jesus Christ? And will you be part of that everlasting covenant where he will be God to you? both now and forever. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.